Hello friends, welcome to the Hillside Church Podcast. My name is Brad and I serve Hillside Church as the lead pastor. We're so glad to be able to share God's word with you in this way. God has so much in store for you and for your life. And one of the ways God works in our lives is through the study of his word, like the message you're about to hear. Our prayer for you is that as you share in this message, if it's me preaching or if it's someone else, is that God's word would minister to your heart and life in a most powerful way. Thanks again for being part of our church family. God bless you. If you want to follow along, you can turn to Psalm 139 again this morning. Today, we're actually wrapping up our Dangerous Prayers uh, series. Both the look at these verses in Psalm 139, but also our, our series in total. Is This will be the last message. This is the sixth message in this series. And so we are going to, to wrap that up this morning. But I just wanted to give you a heads up of just sort of what the next couple of weeks are going to look like here on Sunday mornings, at least for, for people giving the message. Uh, next Sunday, you'll, you'll be with me. I'll be with you again, uh, sharing the word with you. But then the next couple of weeks, um, I won't be sharing with you. Um, in fact, the next Sunday, um, I won't even be on the continent. Uh, my wife and I, uh, Yvonne, we were blessed um, this, this summer, uh, we were blessed, we, we won plane tickets. Um, we won two round trip tickets um, anywhere in the world that Air Canada flies. And so uh, we're going to be going to Rome next week. Um, so that's pretty exciting. Um, in about eight days, uh, we'll, be, we'll be leaving. And so I, I have decided not to try and Skype in from, from the Coliseum or, or something like that to share. The, we could do one of those sort of right now media kind of things where like we record the sermon like in the prison cell where Paul was kept or something. But that, I think you probably have to pay to rent that and, and that might be a little much. But so... The following Sunday, while we're away, uh, Lori Gerard is going to be sharing with us, and so we're really excited to have Lori with us on the 20th, and then on the 25th, Maria Keibel is going to be sharing with us, and so we're going to have the opportunity to hear from, from some, other, some other voices and some other people inside of our congregation, but I just wanted to make sure you were aware of that and you knew what was taking place. But this week, uh, we're going to be looking at this concept of dangerous prayers, that these prayers that we found in Scripture, that, that when, when we choose to pray them for our lives, they can have a profound impact on our lives. We've prayed prayers of surrender. Prayer, your will be done in my life. God, what you want for me, God, that's what I want. We've prayed prayers of devotion. Lord, Lord, you send me, Lord, use me. God, God, I want to be used by you. We've prayed prayers of honesty. I get it. I just don't get it. We, we've prayed prayers to open our hearts fully before God. Search my heart, Lord. And we've prayed prayers of exposure. God, reveal my fears. And now this week, we're going to wrap up by looking at the final words of, of David's prayer in Psalm 139 and, and bring this whole thing to a conclusion. And so when we go back to Psalm 139, um, we can read the entire prayer that David prays in verses 23 and 24, where he says, Search me, Lord, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. And then there's another verse in there that I forgot to put. It's the verse we're focusing on today. So that's perfect. We don't even have it on the screen. See if there be any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. 
And so today what we're really going to focus on is verse 23. See if there be any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. David begins this, this verse by asking God, God, see if there's anything going on inside of me that isn't right. See if there's anything going on inside of me that's not the way it should be. Now, depending on your translation, it may say, say things like, see if there be any wicked way in me. Or, or see if there be any hurtful way in, in me. Or see if there be any idolatrous or grievous or evil. Um, in other places, the word that, that's used there, we translate it sorrow or sorrowful. So see if there be any sorrowful way inside me. But I think you can pick up on the theme of, of sort of what this word means, what, what it is that David's praying. Ask, after David has asked God to search his heart and to try his heart, to see what makes him fearful, he sums it up and he says, Lord, just look through my life and see what's there that shouldn't be there. Could you imagine any kind of, of prayer that we could pray that would be more challenging than that? That would be more scary than that. That would be more dangerous than that. That would have the potential to have to have us confront some things that are bigger and, and scarier than that. God, open up my life and find anything that's wrong and show it to me. That's a big choice to make. That, that's a big thing to pray. See, see most of us... Are, Opening yourself up to God and saying, God, read me like a book and, and tell me what shouldn't be there. And th this is big because, see, for most of us, we, really, the sin in our life will boil down to two, two things. The ones we know we do, the sins we know we commit, and then the ones we don't even realize we're doing. The sins that we can identify as mistakes that, that are out of character for us. The ones we don't even see or, or the ones where, or, or sorry, the, the, the sins that, that we know that we're, I know this is wrong. I, I know I shouldn't be doing this. I know that this is not what God wants. But then there's other ones that, that we don't even see or, or we've allowed to become part of who we are. Ones that have just, just become habits. That, that I just tell white lies. Or, or I know that I shouldn't. I, I know that this, that I know, but I just can't stop. And so instead of having to confront that, I've decided I'm just going to try and rationalize it away. See, it's not actually a problem because I'm just sparing people's feelings. Or it, it makes me a happier person. It may, I know I'm not supposed to but it actually makes me a better person because it takes the edge off or, or whatever it may be. And David seems to recognize this and ask God to, to enter deeply into his innermost being and, and show him what is actually true. In doing this, David is, is recognizing the profound truth of, of something that would be later written in the book of Hebrews. And in the book of Hebrews, it will say this. For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing soul and spirit and joints and marrow. 
And then we, as he goes on to say, it judges the thoughts and the attitudes. Or we missed part. Of, or I missed part again. Uh, so nothing is creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before. Oh, that's what it is. Okay, this is the verse continuing. That's what's going on here. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Then it gets to verse 13. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. David recognizes this theology that came hundreds of years later in this prayer. He recognizes God already sees everything. God, God knows it all. God knows it all anyway. Even the deepest, most hidden parts of our lives, even the deepest, most hidden parts of who we are, God knows it anyway. I mean, I don't think there's any of us who know what our bone marrow looks like. I mean, if you're a nurse or a doctor, so you might have an idea of what bone marrow looks like, but you don't know what yours looks like. But this verse tells us that when God looks at us, he sees right down to the insides of us, the parts that we don't even know. And David asked God to reveal to him what's in there. And so for us this morning, this means asking God to show us all the sins that we're committing, the, the habits that we shouldn't have, the sins that we've normalized in our lives to the point where we don't even see them that way anymore. And this prayer is asking God to change our perspective, to open our eyes in a new way, to, to allow us to see ourselves in a fresh way, in a different way, so we can see through all of our habits and our justifications and our normalizations and, and see the sins in our lives for what they really are, things that can kill us. But David recognizes that what he really needs for God to do in his life is for God to work in David to cause him not to just trust his own vision or perception of himself but for God to take a look and see what's really there and, and replace it with a trust in God and God's ways. And this is the theme that I want to close our time off with today, close our series off with this week. See, see we've, we've talked a lot about these prayers being ways of opening up ourselves to God, whether it's, it's physically, emotionally, spiritually, and how scary and dangerous of a process that can be. Because trusting God and fully and allowing God fully to work in our lives, it can seem so contrary to how we want to live our lives. That if I have to turn my heart, my life, my desires, my will, my plans over to somebody else, what if that's not what I want? What if I have to give up parts of, of what I want? What if, what, if, what if it's not what I want it to be? But the last part of this verse of all, is all, sums up all the things that I want us to keep in mind. See, all of, these, all of these dangerous prayers that we've been exploring for the last six weeks, all these dangerous prayers, see, 
The truth is, they only seem dangerous. These dangerous prayers, they're, they're not actually dangerous. Sorry about that. Because these prayers confront the parts of our lives that we may struggle to hand over to God. And handing stuff over to God can seem scary, can seem dangerous, but it only seems dangerous. About seven, well, 16 and a half years ago, um, Yvonne and I got married. And not long after we got married, uh, we went on a holiday to Disneyland with my parents and my brothers. Look at those, look at those handsome people there, hey? Look at all that hair, woo! 17 years of marriage. <laughs> I'm just saying. But one day when we were in Disneyland, we were on the Indiana Jones ride. Um, if you've never been to, to Disneyland, it, it's, it, was, it was a new ride at the time, and it was quite exciting. Uh, you sit inside this big Jeep with all these other people, and, and it, it takes you through kind of the, the greatest hits of all the Indiana Jones movies, of, of all the famous scenes and all of the famous moments. And, and, and the Jeep is herking and jerking you around, and you're getting knocked, and, and uh, like lights, and it's all very, very exciting. And, and we were riding on this ride, and we came to one of the most famous parts of Indiana Jones, one of the most famous parts of the ride, the probably most famous part of all of the Indiana Jones experience, the part with the boulder. And, and so on the ride, your, your Jeep comes up, and then the boulder starts coming, and, and the Jeep starts backing up, and then the boulder just misses you, and then the Jeep goes forward. But this one time when we were on the ride, we get to the most climaxed part of the entire experience, and the ride breaks down. And then they turn on all of the lights inside the ride. And all of a sudden, what seemed so exciting, seemed so dangerous, seemed so thrilling, in a moment, all of it was gone. Because you saw how the ride worked. And in the moment, it feels like this boulder's coming right at you. And then you discover the boulder's not even moving. It's just the way that it looks in the dark and the way they light it and, and the way that it does. But the boulder is held in place. And it doesn't actually roll. It's just suspended from the ceiling and two arms like kind of swing it. But if you're in... No danger, and you know that. You know, it's not like one out of every four cars gets smushed by the boulder. You know everybody's going to be okay. But when you're in the dark and you're, the Jeep is jerking back and forth, and, oh, this is really... But then the lights come on. And you discover what seemed dangerous. It wasn't dangerous. And, and even in that moment, you kind of lose some of the excitement. Because it's like, oh... I didn't want to know how this worked. I just wanted to know. And these prayers that we've been praying, it's, it's a similar thing in that they seem dangerous, but 
they only seem dangerous. It only seems dangerous. They seem dangerous because it can be hard for us to be sure that we can really trust God. Unsure if what God wants for me, is that what I really want to? What God has for me, am I really going to like it? Does God really know what's best for me? Is, is God's plan for my life secretly just going to make me miserable? I, I had felt a call, like a lot of kids do, but, but I had felt a call on my life in youth ministry to, to be a pastor from, from a really young age. From about 12 years old, I, I had felt a call on my life to be in ministry and, and to be a pastor. But as I got older, I, I didn't like that calling. I, I wasn't sort of like settled at a young age that I'm going to be a pastor. My life and my relation was much more like, oh, I think I'm going to be a pastor. And no matter what I tried to do, I thought, well, you know, maybe I'll be a teacher. It's kind of like a pastor, right? Like, it's kind of similar. You get to talk to, and, you know, but I didn't really. And do you know why I didn't want to be a pastor? Because I felt like it was a lousy job to meet girls with. <laughs> and so I, I was single. Like, I, I got to find a, a wife. And, and when you meet people for the first time, like, and you say, oh, what do you do? Like, oh, I'm an engineer. Oh, cool. Like, what are you going to, like, people have no baggage when it comes to, like, I'm an engineer, I'm a doctor, I'm a truck driver, whatever it may be. But you're like, I'm a pastor. And people, oh. <laughs> oh. And so I, I needed, I need to get away from this thing so that if I could ever meet somebody, I don't have to go, I'm a pastor, but it's okay. What if, what if God doesn't know what he's doing? What, what, what if God's plan is not to, to do in my life what I want? And, and can I really hand over the control of, of my life to somebody else? Because what if, what if it's not what I want? And, you know, at the same time I was struggling with this, God was speaking to Yvonne and saying, you're going to marry a pastor. And she was excited about it. She was like, oh, what a great job for my husband to have. That's amazing. And I'm like, no one's going to love me. And so, you know, when we met and it was like, oh, yeah, you know, and it, God knew what he was doing. But we can struggle so much with that. God, I'm tired. Don't you know? God, I can't ask for your will in my life. I can barely accomplish my own. I can't have yours as well. God, I'm tired. And God says, come to me. And, and my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Come to me when you're tired. And if you do my will, it's actually going to be better for you. Say, God, I'm broken. God, I'm sick. God, God I'm in no place. And God says, it's not the healthy that need me. It's, it's the sick. Come to me and I'll work in you and I'll work through you. God, I don't have what it takes. And God says, have you looked at the other people I've used? You'll be fine. We, come, we, we become unsure 
of what God can do, what God can be, what God can use us to do, because we just, we don't know. If I pray, God, your will be done. If I give God, God's will top priority in my life, what will my life look like? What if it's not what I want? If I pray, send me, Lord, use me, and my answer to God is yes before I know the question, what terrible thing could God ask me to do? If I pray, I get it, I just don't get it, and, and I'm really open and honest with God, is he still going to love me the same? Am I really allowed to do that? How is God going to respond to the real me? If I pray, search my heart, God, and God shows me places in my life that God says are wrong, but I think they're right, what if God asks me to give up something I, I really don't want to? If I pray, reveal my fears, and, and God sees all the things I'm most afraid of, what, what if God uses that against me? And, and my life is just full of all the things I'm afraid of. If I pray, God, lead me in the way everlasting, what on earth am I going to have to give up of all of the stuff that makes my life enjoyable? Am I just going to be miserable? See, they all seem dangerous because they all come down to one simple thing. What happens when I let God have his way? What happens? And, and that's why the close of our prayer and the close of our series is so very important. Lead me in the way everlasting. See, the purpose of, of God knowing David and the purpose in us inviting God to know us and work in us is so that he can lead us. Lead us away from making poor choices. Lead us away from our selfishness. Lead us away from the things that we think are right for us. But really, they're not. We don't need to have a show of hands in the room to say, has anybody here ever thought something was going to be just perfect? Only when we got it, it wasn't so great. That by our own vision, by our own experience, by our own measure, it was like, this is going to be great. And then when we got it, it was, oh, this isn't, this isn't what I thought it was going to be. This isn't how I thought this was going to go. This isn't everything, in told, everything inside of me told me this was going to go this way. And yet, none of it, none of it worked out. And so when we pray, God, lead me, it's handing over the parts of us that, that say, this is going to be great. And trusting that, that he knows what's actually going to be great. 
God can lead us to, to see things truly and, and to see things in a way that is true and, and can lead us to, to make choices that really and truly are for our benefit rather than making choices that, that we think are right but maybe actually we'll discover are wrong. See, the everlasting way is the way that, that benefits that the benefits last forever. Rather than benefits that are just for now. David wants his life to be lived in a way that will gain eternal benefit rather than, than temporal benefit. Again, we don't need a show of hands, but to be able to say, have you ever experienced something in the moment that was fantastic that you later went on to regret? Something in the moment that, that seemed like it was, everything is this. I, I thought it would be good, and it's good. But then a couple of days later, or a month later, or years, or dec decades later, you can look back and go, man, what seemed so good turned out to be so wrong. And it's quite a remarkable perspective if we remember where David was when he wrote this, if we remember David was doing his best to follow God. David, David had been anointed king. He, he had been given the keys to the kingdom. He had been told, you are going to be the next king. And as a result of that, as he was going through life, he ended up on the run for his life from the current king being pursued by the king's army, by the armies of a nation after one man. And at this point in his life, David is living in caves, hiding for his life, afraid that, that every day if someone finds him, he will be killed. And yet, David writes this. In this moment, what, what is David's prayer? Not... God, you've got some explaining to do. This, this, this isn't it, God. I remember what Samuel said. I remember every... I am the rightful king. You've got some explaining to do. It's not, God, have you lost it? God, do, do you even like me? God, can I even trust you anymore? You told me you're going to be king, and now I couldn't be further away from being king. Do you even like me? But instead, in this moment, David's prayer is, God, I need you to lead me. God, I want what you have for me. God, I need your plan for my life. If we want the greatest benefits available from life, then we need God to lead us. We need God to help us recognize what perspectives are true. And we need to be obedient in following his ways. Friends, we, we need to be humble. And humility is recognizing reality as it is. We, we all know people who don't recognize reality as it is. 
that, that don't live humbly, that, that you meet the person who, who loves to sing but doesn't know they can't. You, you meet the person who loves to paint and doesn't know they can't. You, you meet the person who loves to do construction projects and doesn't know they can't. And, and you, they, we would say, you just need to accept reality as it is. And humility is recognizing reality as it is. And reality is that God already knows everything that we did and ever will do. And he has the power over all things. See, see that's humility. Humility is, is for me to recognize who God is. And to be able to say, God, you know all things already, so why am I trying to hide them from you? God, you know everything I will do. You, you know everything I've done. You know my heart and my life better than I do. So God, why am I trying to wrestle control away from you? So when we, we simply recognize this, recognize this and ask God's help, in reorientating our perspectives and actions to ways that are beneficial to ourselves rather than hurtful, we are embracing reality as it is. Our son Theo, he has this idea in his head of something that he thinks would be really fun. And he, he calls us to it all the time. And he says, Dad, I have a challenge for you and Mom. He, he watches the YouTubers that do like these 24-hour challenge things or whatever. And he says to us, Mom and Dad, I have a challenge that I want you to try and do. Okay, well, what is it? For 24 hours, you can only say yes. <laughs> and you, it's a challenge, and we'll see if you can do it. And I say, Theo... We're not going to do that. <laughs> well, no, but, but I get to ask you for whatever I want, and you have to say yes. And so I know the rules, and we're not going to do that. Because I would be terrified to know what that little boy would want to do with his 24 hours. I don't know what we would be eating. I don't know what we would be doing. I don't know where we would be going. But it would be expensive, and it would be terrible. But yet sometimes we do that with God. Is, is I, my, my now 10-year-old boy, I cannot trust him with 24 hours to himself. Be, but he thinks he could do it. And we do the same thing with God. Is God says like, you can't do this. But we go, but God, what if you just could say yes for 24 hours? Imagine how amazing that would be. If I could just ask you for whatever I want, my life would be amazing. But God, like a parent, says, you have no idea the destruction you could bring upon yourself and everyone around you if we did that. We think we know what's best for us. But... Coming to God with humility is the humble recognition that, God, I, I don't know what's best. But I'm going to trust that you do. And so inviting God to lead us in the way everlasting is, God, I, 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 in all humility, would you lead me?
There's a couple verses in Colossians chapter 3 that sort of paint this picture for us. They say this, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart. Working for the Lord, not for human masters. And here's why. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. You know you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. And so what this tells us is that everything we do, whatever we're working at, whatever we're working on, whatever we're doing, we can do it with a view to our now, to our temporal, to what is the, the most I can gain benefit from life right now in this moment and just hope that it works out. And this is how, how sin has hardwired us to, to think right now in the moment. But David prays, help me not to think that way. Help me to think in God's way. A way that makes the most out of life right now. Friends, my, my prayer for each one of us, my, my prayer for me, my, my prayer for you, my prayer for us as a church is just simply that the cry of our hearts would be, lead me in the way everlasting. Let's pray together. Father God, we come to you today in humble recognition that we kind of understand our past, that we're partially aware of our present, and we have no idea about our future. And God, out of that humility, we, we come to you who fully understands our past, who has a complete picture of our future, and who tells us that all of the days of our lives are numbered, that you know our future from before the foundations of the earth. And God, in humility, we come to you today, and we pray that you would lead us in the way everlasting. God, that you would lead us daily that you would lead us moment by moment. God, your word will tell us that the steps of the righteous are ordered by the Lord. And God, I'm so grateful that for each one of my friends gathered here for me, God, I thank you that we are hid in the righteousness of Christ, that that prayer, that promise that the steps of the righteous are ordered by the Lord, it's not a promise for a select few. It's not a promise for the best of the best. It's a promise for each one of our lives. And so, God, I pray that you would take us, lead us, step by step, moment by moment. And that in humility, as we see and we have wants and we have desires and, and we have things that we want in our lives, God, and we know that that's not bad, but God, I pray that our lives would be lived from a place of continual submission. That we would live our lives with all humility to say, God, whatever you have for me, that's what I want. God, I pray that you would help us to not put ourselves before you. Help us to not put our thoughts and our ideas ahead of you. But God, I pray that we would 
trust in the Lord with all of our hearts. That we would lean not on our own understanding. God, in everything we do and in all our ways, we would acknowledge you. And that through all of that, you would make our paths straight. God, I thank you that, that we can trust you, that we can believe in you, that we can put our hope in you, and that each day we can trust that you have an everlasting understanding of our lives. Thank you, Jesus, for all that you are, for who you are and what you do for us. In your name we pray. Amen. Sometimes we feel so lost, we think we'll never be found. Thanks again for being a part of this message from Hillside Church. We pray that God was able to speak to you through what was shared. We're so grateful to be able to share God's word with our church community and family, and that includes you. And we'd love to hear from you. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Hillside Airdrie. You can contact us through email at info at hillsideairdrie.ca. Or you can go to hillsideairdrie.ca and click on Contact Us from the main menu. Or you can find our pastoral team contact by clicking on Our Pastors from the Our Church drop-down menu. Our vision for everyone that shares in Hillside Church is that they would know God, know His hope, know His purpose, and know His power in their lives. And we pray this message ministered to you. At Hillside Church, we're a family not by blood, but a family that's been bought by blood. As family we go. Running like a prodigal My mama praying every night that God would save my soul Even in the dark he never ever let me go I hit the wall face to face with the Holy Ghost Where would I be without God's good mercy? So let me tell you my testimony Someone praying for you every day Now that's amazing grace And we're singing like oh Don't give up, don't give up on the ones that you love We're singing like oh from hell.